Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. Hey, this is Mac. Checking game cameras is one of the many pleasures I get from gamekeeping. OnX helps keep track of my camera locations to be sure I'm getting the information that I need to make the best decisions for the wildlife. Try it out for yourself and see. Use coupon code MOSSYOAK to save 20% on your OnX subscriptions. Know where you stand. Hi, I'm Jeff Foxworthy and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live without Mac in three, two, one. Well, welcome. Here we are again. West Point, Mississippi. At the studio. Yeah, Home of Hercules, right. yeah. Mossy Oak, Gamekeepers. Mossy Oak Properties, Biologic. Yeah. Native, Native nurseries. nurseries. Gamekeeper Kennels, Golf Course. Gamekeeper Butchery, Ingredient Wild. I mean, the list goes on and on. No wonder we all have ADD. There's just too much to do around here. <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch. <laughs> it, it really is. So, so yeah, and uh, we almost mid-September, getting to be late September. Food plots are going in the ground or Everybody's already in the ground. Everybody's thinking about those old white tails. It is a, it's a, it's a fun time of year. You yeah. can in the morning, you can kind of feel a little fall in the air. We have had a couple. Of, we actually went camping this weekend. Had that had that nice cold snap. So definitely a little fall. And there a little few acorns on the ground over there. Oh, definitely. good. No pawpaws though. No pawpaws. No pawpaws. Yeah, I think my buddy Evan went in and, and beat you to them this year. Ah. Uh, so picking up pawpaws. That's our secret little special place in northeast Alabama. Yep. I remember North West Alabama. Yeah, so that's over there at the Bankhead area. Yeah, the old Bankhead. Yeah. yeah, big wilderness area. Not so secret anymore. You'd be sitting at your campsite and watch about fifty people walk by every hour. But, but it's a it's beautiful. It's a million acres. Yeah. Well, look today. Uh, this is one of my favorite topics. We're going to talk about rifles and calibers. This is a little more like a shotgun, but. That was a good one. Yeah, but so we'll talk. We've got uh, Carsey Young will be joining us. And, uh, in fact, I'll go ahead and introduce. Carsey's sitting over here right across from us. And Carsey um, was – Carsey, were you the third or fourth employee? At, the third um, employee at Mossy Oak. So you've been here – around here a long time. You're retired now. Yes. And uh, – but when I got here, you were you, you didn't have a gray hair on your head, mm -hmm. and you were running the shipping and receiving. But I've still got a head full of hair, unlike some people will won't know. We won't, we won't mention Bobby. those. Yeah, well, you know, look, <laughs> grass won't grow in steel, is what they say. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Carson, you yeah. uh, you, you've been an important person to this place for a number of years, and it's just it's, it's a lot. It's so. 
uh, exciting to look across the table and see you sitting over there. Carsey be hired me. Okay. Yeah, so. we need to get oh, on that. Yeah, Toxie yeah. reminds me of that all yeah, the time. <laughs> yeah, that's not a check in the good no. column. Right? I just <laughs> want to keep y'all talking about how good it was. I want to bring up the bad parts, too, you know. Yeah, I got Carsey's office now, I think. Yeah, yeah you do. After Neil was in it for a you while do. with his pet squirrel. Well, we miss Carsey, and I would be lying if I didn't if I didn't say that, because we do. Well, thank you. I yes, appreciate sir. that, Lanny. Yes, Eddie. sir. Yeah, thank you. I wonder how many time. people you trained on getting their food plot started over the years. All, the, all the phone calls. I don't know, a bunch. A whole lot. Well, I Been think about him every day. I get an email. I still I get the emails that, that are addressed to Carson. <laughs> to see Young. Yeah. yeah. There's some wild emails coming in here, Carson, with your I name bet on there them. are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I do miss the pranks, you know, the, the prank dynamic. Yeah, there's still a little bit of that going yeah. on. I will tell you that. Okay, yeah. just to make Bobby sweat for the rest of the podcast. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, he yeah, he's in here. Onions. There's no telling what's being done. He used to hide onions done. in my yeah. office. Been done, Dudley. Mm. Okay, be careful, Bobby. Yeah. He's he's developed more another little internal rivalry uh, with. Uh, uh, the gamekeeper garage aficionado, Mr. Davis. Back yeah. There. So I, the thing about Clay is, if you pull a prank on him, he comes back a hundredfold. Yeah. There's no tit for tat. It's he comes back. With, yeah, you're, you're liable to have a dead animal in your car or something. Yeah, you know, or just the, the seat, com- motor tire slash. Open your hood. So, and there's no motor. I still anymore. hadn't gotten you back for putting that piece of ice in my chair the other day. I'm thinking about what to do yeah well that one wasn't real bad so but so uh, we're going to talk to carsey and then later on we're going to call pat mundy of nosler and talk to him about bullets a little bit so cottages we're yeah. talking about cottages today that's right so uh, before we go too far let's talk about a little blood on the biologic out there was one particular uh thing that i saw todd amenrude's uncle dave uh medvecki He's, we've done it, actually. If you oh, know, yeah. Actually, no, he's a super you. gamekeeper. Killed a great big old bear. Oh, wow. Yeah. At their place? At their place in Minnesota. Uh-huh. So, but that's just unusual. You don't hear people talking about that that much. Mm-mm. So, but it was a beautiful bear. And uh, Ryan Wade over in Arkansas killed a really, uh, a really nice whitetail with a bow. Who's Ryan Wade? Well, he's... Uh, Okay, so Ryan and Zach Randall of uh, Edge Boats are, are buddies. They hunt together and do a lot of stuff. So uh, Zach had sent me the photograph. It was an absolute giant deer. Arkansas? Or I think it was in Arkansas. Nice. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. But if, the social media feeds are full of people that are getting lucky. The juries, Mark, Wade. Yeah, I think Taylor knocked a, a nice elk down in Utah. Yes, she did. With a her. big one. Everybody's getting big elk. Yeah. Um, and I tell you, I, I saw one on Facebook a few minutes ago that just really struck me. And uh, they didn't get an elk. But uh, Brooks and Greg Tinsley went out to Montana in search of elk and didn't get one. But it just goes to show how much fun you can have, even trip, if you yeah. don't get something. That's right. You know, they shot a grouse. They had some great father-son time. And, you know, not everybody gets that anymore. And it, it just really struck me. Yeah. I bet they had a blast. Yeah. We know they did. That's a tight pair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun, I'm sure. 
But it's about to start happening here. The deer season comes in this weekend. I know Jason McKellar's been back there shooting his bow. Yeah. Mac's been thinking about it. So you know Michael Wayne is all about it. Well, Michael Wayne has timed getting COVID so that he'll be off during the opening of bow season. <laughs> A strategic infection. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's planned it that way. I have you heard that, bio- that uh, sitting over a tr- uh, stand of Biologic will cure COVID. I would think so. So – I don't know. It's worth a try. Yeah, I like the definitely way you're thinking you, that, Carson. Definitely keep you six feet away from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it does. Real quick, the letter that uh, McElwain submitted to you. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen one like. No, that. No, I hadn't either. Yeah. It was. Uh, well, you think it's a little bit suspicious? It, I was very suspicious when I read it. So we've got you know both season open up in a couple three days. This mysterious letter from our own David McElwain, and then he's going to be off the. First 10 days of both season. And, yes. And if you text Michael Wayne right now, it might be four or five hours before you get a response. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. It's very, very interesting. Well, in his defense, I can't say I'd do anything. I mean, you can't go to work. What are you going to do, <laughs> sit at home? Or are you going to go outside in Mother Nature, air, breathe the air, and, I'm and get go better? Heck, I'm yeah. Yeah. So anyways. I'm sure he's going to take a bunch of cool photos and videos, too, while he's out there. So, So Carsey, looking across the room at you, and uh, when I first met you, I just remember one of the things I took away was your love of rifles, or maybe it's firearms would be a better word, but you just have always loved them. There's no telling. Uh, you know, I'm not asking you how many you own or anything like that, but you are you you're as into it as anybody I've ever met. So I think you're a great guest today to talk Thank about you. what's everybody's favorite caliber for a white-tailed deer. And I know everybody's when you see one of these posts on Facebook. I mean, this gets discussed. They above. just always blow up. It's crazy. Well, I mean, it's an age old age old thing. My thirty out six is better than your two forty three. Then it's better than a three hundred mag. Etc. Etc. Everybody has their favorites. Yeah, the like two, ice cream. The two seventy hate. I, I've never understood that one. You, nope. you see that all over social media. Uh, it's kind of become a joke. But you know, Jack O'Connor. He, oh yeah, he used a two seventy. I shot a two seventy for years. Got started on it with our late great friend Bob Dixon. Mm-hmm. He was a two seventy man, and I, I've got two of them still, and it'll still knock any deer down that walks. What size uh, bullet do you prefer out of it? I like 140. I tend to shoot something that's a little bit heavy for caliber. Um, that's just my preference because sure. I want to be sure. You know, if you have have a at last light and you've got a bad angle on a big deer, I want to be able to get as much penetration as I can. You know, there's something to be said for light, fast bullets, but it's just not my not my preference. Yeah, you probably if you most people you would ask that about a two seventy would probably say a one hundred thirty grain. Yeah, but I, I've heard a lot of people. I, I love a two seventy. I've shot one all my mm-hmm. yeah. uh, adult right. life as well. Right. So, so anyway, so why don't we start around the room, uh, Dudley? Uh, let's just start with you. What's your favorite caliber for whitetails? Well, uh, I just I try to think simple. Uh, my dad had a thirty alt six. And he got me a thirty out six for my fifteenth birthday, and I, I still have it. But just out of simplicity, you know, you go to the store; uh, it's it's always on the shelf. Well, maybe not nowadays, but uh, it's typically always on the shelf. 
and then uh, you you also lose the fact the the safety factor of uh, you know we were always hunting together. Uh, you, you stick your you know you stick your hand in the in your pocket and pull out a, a cartridge. Uh, if we had two different cartridges or calibers, uh, the chance of getting them mixed up could happen. Mm-hmm. So we just did it out of out of ease and safety. And uh, I can't think of any. It's a very well-rounded caliber. You can take elk with it. You can take deer with it. They've got a really wide range of uh, bullet sizes, you know, from, I want to say from, uh, they even make a 50. to 220. They actually, remember that 55-grain accelerator back in the day? Little plastic Sabo, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So you can take anything with a 30 alt 6 Anything that walks in North America. So that's, that's my answer. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. What about you, Lana? You know, I grew up uh, grew up on three hundred eight, um, and uh, uh, kind of transitioned from there. You know, uh, was got into the the magnums for some reason. I was into long distance shooting for a little while, uh, and ended up with a three hundred Win Mag. Uh, and then um, my style of hunting really changed uh, to more of a. Uh, I love to be on the ground, uh, moving uh, with the wind in my face. Uh, and just making, you know, just getting across the landscape. So I'd actually bought Shannon a seven millimeter, millimeter 08 uh, Browning uh, and borrowed it from her one day and have yet to give it back. It's just <laughs> such a perfect size. I'm kind of a taller person. Uh, it fits behind my head and back. Just a real reliable. Most of the places I'm hunting are thicker, uh, I would say, than than most. But I still gives me the ability to make the long range shot if I need to. Uh, and so that's kind of, I, I'd be torn between the 308 and the seven millimeter eight, which I don't think there's much difference, Carsey. Yeah, it's just Very a little. neck down. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's kind of where I am, uh, in, in my older age of spotting and stalk hunting. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Um, I got, you know, when the AR bug came around a couple of years ago, um, I got one and got a, got it in a custom caliber called a 277 Wolverine. And it's it's a two twenty three that's necked up to hold mm-hmm. a uh, two hundred and seventy seven caliber bullet, uh, ninety grain. It doesn't kick at all, but um, it's just such a small gun. Yeah, and uh, I don't necessarily think you always need a a, a big deer, you know, a big caliber. Yeah, um, bullet placement is really important. But like back to where you're coming from, the mobility. From a smaller rifle helps a lot. Yeah, it was good for me. Mm-hmm. So, Carson, what about if I ask you what's your favorite caliber for whitetails? Where are you going? Where are you going to land? Right now, it would probably be either a six-five Creedmoor or uh, my old standby, the six-five by fifty-five Swede. Mm. I've got a rifle that I've had for twenty-five years in the uh, Swede, and. You know, you shoot them, they run a little ways and fall over dead. It's hard to beat anything that mission that does accomplished. That. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I mean, less recoil than a two seventy or thirty out six or three oh eight. Those aren't certainly aren't unmanageable, but it's a more compact rifle where I hunt. Seldom shoot over one hundred and fifty yards. Mm-hmm. All I need, so. What would be the basic differences between that Swede and the, and the 6.5 Creedmoor? Uh, Creedmoor's probably got a little bit more velocity. It's more modern caliber. I mean, the, the Swede was developed in like 
1897 or ah, sometime. Some oh, it's well over 100 years old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are a lot of old guns out there chambered for it that made out of older steel and that can't stand the uh, pressures that you can get out of a Creedmoor. But ballistically, there's not a whole lot of difference. They both shoot a 140 grain bullet, 2,600, 2,800 feet a second, you know. What made you pick up that rifle? That just it's not a sexy sounding caliber. It's, it's not. It's an older caliber. I've always kind of been fascinated by older some of the older calibers. I've got, uh, like I said, I, I settled on that one because the rifle fits me, and I've got it set up just like I like it. Uh, I've got an old uh, seven millimeter Mauser that I like a lot too. It's it's I'd put it right there with the six five by fifty five. Um, I like a lot of old oddball calibers. Um, the, so it's not necessarily the performance. You're, it's just yeah. the enjoyment of carrying yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it makes total sense. Yeah. You know, we're in uh, Mississippi. I feel like a lot of people obsess over long range and, uh, you know, ballistic perfection and yeah. all of this, but. Sometimes it's cool just to take your dad's old gun out, or exactly. you know your great uncle's mm-hmm. gun, or you, mm-hmm. you you get the point. Yeah, six five by fifty five, the seven millimeter Mauser. I've got a four oh five Winchester. You know that's Teddy Roosevelt's big medicine. He took on Safari, uh, forty five seventy. I like that one. Uh, you know, you you might not get the performance out of some of the older calibers, but again. I'm more 150, 200 yards and in where I hunt, and any one of those calibers will do that. There's so many. There's so many ways to think about it, and and you know to I you know like you were talking about some of these bigger cowboy type bullets, uh, they'll just blow right through a deer. It, it doesn't. You know it's. It's a big old heavy bullet, but it may not be going as fast. So it's you're not, not you're not going probably as, not tearing the inside of the deer up. It's, it's crawling along, but you're uh, going to get complete penetration. You're going to do a well placed shot. It's going to look like the trail. You you're probably going to trail him, and it looks like somebody put two holes in a opposite sides of a five gallon bucket of red paint. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes for an easier trail, and uh, you don't have to worry about blowing one up on a shoulder joint. Sure which I used to do all the time. I used to love that high shoulder shot where the deer would just fall over. Mm-hmm. But uh, you lose the front third of the back strap when you do yeah. that. So A lot of times you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that I like that double lung shot on a deer mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. A, a bonded bullet that I know is going to pass through. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, but to each their own. A lot of people like that uh, stuff, you know, like the ballistic tip that expands – Quickly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and an instant knockdown, and you yeah. know there's a lot of these match type bullets that seem to uh, explode on impact, uh, and people are using those for long range nowadays. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many different facets and, and way to look at it, but mm-hmm. uh, it well, all and, boils and down to having fun. Too. That's right, and bullet development has come a long way. I mean, you know, you go way back, John Nosler. The Nosler partition. I mean, that was the first real quality, quote, custom bullet. You know, I mean, it was it was designed to 
tear the front part out of it, the back part continue on mm-hmm. through. And well, nowadays, you don't have very many bullets out there that are, are going to fail for what they're intended. You know, it's not like it was 30 and 40 years ago uh, when they were still kind of figuring out what velocities and uh, how to construct a bullet. A lot more jacket separation. Yeah. You got all copper bullets now, which I guess you have to have in California. Isn't it California that, that you can't use lead anymore? I know I know for sure California. Well, look, we, we don't need to have this conversation without Pat Mundy. He's he's scheduled to be on here with us, so let's okay. go ahead and call him. Yeah. He can answer some of these questions about exactly. bullets. Exactly. That would so, be a good one. You hadn't told us what your favorite preferred caliber is, though, Bobby. Well, you know, I started off with a 270 for a number of years and then graduated to a 243 and loved it. Just mm-hmm. absolutely loved it. But I have settled in on a 25 alt 6. Oh, nice. Good choice. And I've got I, a 25 alt 6. I really like it. Carsey, what caliber do you not have would be a, a, an easier <laughs> question to ask. Well, nowadays, you know, they got every every magnum under the sun, short mags, long mags, medium-sized mags, and all that. I don't have – if it's got magnum on it, I don't – I think I've got two magnum calibers. Oh, really? No short 300 mags? 300 and a 375. Mm. Mm. And I don't have any need of anything any bigger, and I don't – I don't want to take the punishment of having. That's exactly right. You know, any other Magnum calibers. It mm-hmm. just that's not what floats my boat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care how many steel gongs you can ring at a thousand yards. I mean, there's a lot of rifles out there now that are capable of fitting at a thousand yards, but even not that many riflemen right. that are capable of that under hunting conditions. That's exactly right. So. You know, if I can't get within 300 yards or so of it, a whitetail around here. That's right. He's beat me, and I'll get him another day. <laughs> I don't think I've, in my entire life, ever had an opportunity to shoot at a deer that distance around here. You know, I mean. Well, you just have to create those opportunities. Right. If you're wanting to shoot a long yeah. distance, you can find There was a, a point in my life right. where I was loving to shoot deer really long distances. And you can Bean find field. Yeah. yeah. You know, fun. I mean, you go, back, you go back to Kenny Jarrett. Beanfield rifles, you know, super custom, incredibly accurate and everything. And now you can buy a rifle over the over the counter that it's probably not quite that good, but it's 90% of it, 85% of it. And uh, pretty close. You know, that's hard to beat. Absolutely. Yeah, we, with, uh, old Clay Davis, I, I think he was. Ringing the gong at a mile with his three hundred eight, mostly factory. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, you know. But now modern guns with the uh, good ammunition, really quality ammunition, bedded properly with a synthetic stock, barrels uh, are a lot better. I mean, rifles are are better right. now than they were. Factory rifles are better now than they were even 20 years ago. And the triggers. Yeah, the triggers you know, now they a don't, long way. They're not as worried about the liability. They're worried about pleasing the end user, which is what they should be tending to. You sure. don't have, you're not going to buy a rifle now with a seven-pound trigger. Yeah, I can remember those days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. I've got, I bought a 308 uh, 
a light 308 one time, you could hang it from the trigger and it wouldn't go off. <laughs> it's a six and a half pound rifle and you could hang it on a trigger gauge from the trigger and it wouldn't fire. Mm. Wow. That's probably one of the most important things when you're trying to dial down your precision is that trigger. Yeah. You really need a good trigger on a rifle. Absolutely. So why don't we call uh, Lanny, if you would, I've, let's call Pat. Let's get him in this conversation while we're here at talking about bullets. I would. Uh, I don't want to. Hello. 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 This is Pat. Mr. Pat. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. This is Bobby Cole. I got uh, I got Dudley and Lanny, and we got a guy named Carsey Young with us. That uh, is a. He's a, a really interesting guy you're going to enjoy meeting. But how are you? I'm pretty good. Just been uh, slugging away here. I was actually down in your part of the world last week. Well, I heard you were in South Carolina. How was it? It was fun. It was really fun. Shot a couple of deer and a hog and just had great company. It was fun. Man, that sounds like our kind of trip. What about the mosquitoes? Were they bad? This is a great time to plug bins. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Original insect. Bugs and snakes. We don't have those here. (laughs) We got lots of them, that's for sure. Did you see some snakes for real? Yeah, I saw um, one of the guys killed a rattlesnake that was almost five feet long, and then I saw a copperhead that was probably two and a half feet long walking out of my stand one night. Oh, that's uh, that's exciting. That'll keep you light on yeah. your toes, won't it? Yeah. You can have a lamp on for sure. Oh, my gosh. I was wishing I had a bigger flashlight. That's for sure. <laughs> they were just starting to – they weren't really getting uh, super active yet. I mean, they're, you know, obviously they're not rutting quite yet, but um, I, it just – you know, it was uh, – it's so different than here. I honestly don't know – I mean, I'm still learning, right? I'm in the learning process. A Western guy going into that, it's like, first of all, it's a jungle. Second of all, you're off the ground, which is unheard of here. (laughs) Um, And then third of all, you're looking down these lanes and, you know, the misnomers that the Western guys have over where you guys hunt is amazing to me. I mean, one of them is that all the shots are short. No, they're definitely not. And second of all, your deer are tenacious. I mean, you hit those deer in the lungs, they're going to get into the jungle and you learn a little bit. I mean, you, you got to be fast and you got to be accurate and you got to break some bones. You know, they're a tough animal. Well, you know what? I've never thought about it from that perspective of uh, what you were saying, uh, a Western hunter coming east. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, there's oftentimes a lot of opportunities for long distance shots here in the South, especially in the part w- what we refer to as bean field, big bean fields. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of yes, people in the, in, in down in this part of the world take a lot of pride in being able to shoot and make a long-distance shot. Lanny, I think that's what we were talking about a little bit earlier about how much fun it is to shoot a long-distance in those bean fields oh, yeah. kind of where no, that started. Yeah, or if you've got like a gas line going through your property, yep. that, that can give you a good long shot mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the uh, really the Western people. I think a lot of us tend to you know think, oh, this is where it's all at. But in all honesty, I I enjoy it so much back there because it's so different. It's it, just a um, it's a different world. It's real hunting, you know. 
Yeah, it really is. Look, I, I am, I'm so sorry. I did really didn't introduce you, but this is Pat Mundy. And last time you were on, I introduced you as the president of Nosler, and I, I think you corrected me on that. So I'm not <laughs> going to do that this time. And I'm going to ask Richie to hit the horn so that we can welcome you on the podcast here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> But I, Thank you. Yeah, I did learn so uh, that that you know last time I did introduce you as the president. I think we're trying to get you promoted, Pat. <laughs> I think well, I appreciate that. that. <laughs> so, look, what we want to talk about today, but not un- much different than the first time we had you on. But we're Carsey's here, and he loves rifles. Just absolutely loves firearms might even be a better way to put that. And so we had him on here as a, as a guest. We've been talking about our favorite whitetail calibers. And uh, we wanted to ask you that of yourself and also talk a little bit about bullets. What are what do you see in trends of pe- that people are liking for, and specifically for whitetails? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, um, I think that um, with my limited experience around deer, I would in your part of the world, I would I would definitely lend lean toward heavier calibers i think the uh you know the six five creed more and up probably i think a lot of times people think you know a 243 or 25 caliber but i really like the six five calibers i like the 30 calibers and the sevens um there's a lot to be said for short action so 708 308 six five creed all those guns have long range you know they can reach out to three or four hundred yards and um, of course, you know, the old standbys, the 30 out six and 270 are great. Yeah. Um, I was shooting, mm-hmm. I think our calibers are good. You know, some of the nozzle calibers would be excellent for that too. So, um, yeah, those would, those would probably pretty much cover the gamut. I think anything you can shoot well is really a good rifle for what you're, you know, for what you're hunting. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. No question mm-hmm. about it. Comfort and safety, you know, are obviously priority number one. So. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, how people get on forums and chat rooms and it'll just be this, you know, lengthy discussion about what's best. And there's so many best calibers out there. You know, you just have to be proficient with with the one that you own. So, Pat, do you think yeah, there's, really- there's anything to the, the a guy being confident with a rifle and being able to shoot it better? Um, you know, he may have one that he's just kind of grown up shooting and just it, it fits him for whatever reason. He's got confidence. And when that happens, that, that needs to be the rifle you stick with, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. You know, what's the old adage, you know, beware the man that only has one gun because he probably knows how to shoot it. I think that's <laughs> really the case. True enough. <laughs> kind of like the old bluesman that has that beat up guitar, you know, that uh, yep. they've never had anything else to practice on. So they're very proficient with it. Mm. What so yeah. what what are you seeing trend wise? Uh, look, we there's hardly a podcast goes by that we don't talk about rifles that we don't talk about the partition. We mm-hmm. we every I mean everybody knows we love or at least I love partitions. We, I think and there's Lanny echoing in. I think Dudley's a fan of the ballistic tips. But what what are some of the trends going on in bullets right now? Well, I think it's around, a lot of it's around bullets that are extremely accurate. And then um, there's a lot of people that are really focusing more and more on the deep penetration aspects of bullets. So whether it be the non-toxic bullets, the, you know, the monolithics that are so popular in some states such as California and some of the other states that are, um, you know, requiring no lead to the bonded bullets, for example, our AccuBond and AccuBond Long Range, which I, I think do really well and really are 
you know, category leaders for most big game. And then obviously what you guys said is spot on about the partition. It's tried and true. It's been around forever and it does a really good job. And, you know, from an accuracy perspective, you know, you hear of people using match bullets. I don't really recommend match bullets because they can be somewhat unpredictable on impact. But I look at our ballistic tip, for example. It's a, you know, it's a terrific one. Um, it does the same thing every time, which is expand fast. It usually will penetrate through a white tail and um, it puts them down hard because it causes a lot of internal damage. So, you know, all those projectiles, I guess there's, it's just kind of like the rifle. You know, it's like, what are you comfortable shooting? What have you shot? And some of it comes down to where you typically like to place your bullet, too. I mean, if you're a lung guy, you want a bullet that expands fairly fast. If you're going to try to break a shoulder, partitions, acubons, e-tips, you know, those types of bullets do a better job because they penetrate more and they they don't open as fast. You won't ruin as much meat. So, it, you know, there's some, some preference comes into play there, too, as well. So when I'm looking at Carsey here, he's a pretty knowledgeable guy. What is, for most states, what is the minimum caliber for a whitetail that legally can be shot? I think that 24 caliber is where it starts in most places. Some places, 223 is uh, okay. But for me, I really think it ought to start about 25, but that's just my preference. Yeah. Well, now, two forty three is a hell of a rifle. It is. It'd kill them. I've shot a bunch of deer with a two forty three, but, again, you get last light, bad angle, uh, big deer. I'd rather have a little more bullet weight. Sure. That's just me. Sure. So, look, let me uh, – Pat, let me – what I'd like to do is I'd like to just throw out a caliber and get you to throw out one or two sentences of what you think of it, and then I'm going to look at Carsey and get him to throw out his thoughts real quick, and we'll just run down a bunch of calibers real quick, if you don't mind. Oh, I like Sounds that. great. Okay, so I'm going to start with 243. Pat, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Light, accurate, and um, very dependent on shot placement. Yeah, and I would I would agree with that. It's a great rifle for somebody of smaller stature or a kid, but you have to be probably a little more precise with it than you do with anything else. Twenty five out six, Pat. Flat shooting, harder hitting, um, also very accurate, and probably a little bit underrated. Really, it's a better caliber than people think. I agree with that. Uh, I've had got one of those. <laughs> I'm telling off on myself. Yeah. But uh, I, I like it a lot. I, I had a, uh, a rifle custom built for me, a long-distance rifle for that, and I, I loved it. Yeah. So when my next one, 257 Roberts, is there, that, is there much difference? Not significant. I mean, it's uh, it's a little bit less, but I don't think enough to be noticeable on most deer. You know, a little bit less velocity. Probably not as good out there past 300 yards, 350 maybe. But, uh, again, 257 is kind of like 6.5 by 55 and the 7-millimeter Mauser that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. It's an old caliber, but it still kills them. Sure. And if you're shooting a 257 Roberts, you're probably reloading. Just, that's not a caliber that you just walk into most stores and find. Any good gun store would probably have a couple of selections, but it's going to be a little harder to find in a 
local hardware store. Yeah. So, uh, Pat, uh, with uh, then the Nosler's got you guys have got some of your own calories. Why don't you tell us about that twenty six? Well, the twenty six is it's a rocket. I mean, it's a very fast, uh, flat shooting rifle. You can shoot bullets up to one hundred and fifty grains now, and uh, I like it. I think it's a really good deer caliber. It's probably on the lighter recoiling spectrum of our calibers, but all of our calibers recoil some. Um, and it's it, it's a hammer on deer and antelope sized game. It's- it is. Mm. So, what about uh, Pat? Tell me about what you think about a two sixty four. Oh, that's a great caliber. Another one that, you know, it probably is a little underrated. It's, uh, it's probably deserves a better following than it has. I mean, it's flexible. I think it might be the ultimate Western and long range deer rifle. It's just, it's terrific. It's just not super popular. Yeah. They got a reputation way back, way back when of being, uh, burning boars out real quick. Uh, it's a lot of powder going down a fairly small hole, but uh, again, super antelope caliber. Mm. And you, you know, you hear about that where it burns the boar out, or I, I hear it referred to as the throat. Throat. Um, you know, I guess if I was somebody that shot a lot on the weekends and, and things like that, that would be something to consider. But but then a lot of those folks, you know, they'll just do a rebarrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a hunter, who's you're not, never going to shoot, you're one. never going to shoot enough to enough really burn to that, that burn that barrel out, are you? Probably not. Okay. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mr. Pat. What about a two eighty? <laughs> That's another really good caliber. Um, basically, a thirty out six neck down to seven millimeter. I mean, anything uh, you know that a two seventy will do, a two eighty will do just as well. Uh, tremendous round, just again, not quite as popular as some of the others, but um, you have a lot of flexibility because you can shoot a little bit heavier bullets in a 280. Yeah. So it's a good one. Yeah. Got a pair of those. (laughs) 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 I know whose house I'm going to when it hits the fan. (laughs) Yeah. So I skipped 270 because we've kind of talked about 270. Pat, is there anything you want to add to the 270? Oh, that's great. I mean, it's just a really good caliber. For some reason, that's a caliber I have never personally owned, but um, I'm remiss. I've got to I've got to get one of those in the next few years because it's a good one. Definitely a classic. Yeah, it it really is. So, all right. So, moving on. Uh, I, I, right now, I'm at seven millimeter Magnum. What have y'all, what, what do y'all think about that one? That's what I primarily hunt with out here uh, for deer, and I think it's, again, terrific, terrific caliber. It's a little more recoil than a lot of people probably want to deal with, but um, extremely flat shooting, and I would say with bullets of 140 grains or more, um, it's, it's one of those unique guns that can do both deer and bigger game with the same load, and that gives it some flexibility that's kind of nice. Yeah. True. And it, it may have a little bit more recoil, but uh, you see a lot more muzzle brakes and suppressors out there these days that that can combat that recoil. Mm-hmm. I know I put a suppressor on my deer rifle. I, I have permanent hearing damage, and uh, I invested in one about five years ago, and I, I won't pull the trigger uh, unless I have that on the end of my barrel. I just won't do it anymore. 
Um, and I, I think folks should, if you don't, you should look into getting one. It, it seems to help a lot. What, Dudley? <laughs> yeah. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. Yeah, you can tell a bunch of old riflemen because they're all talking real loud. Um, especially around kids. You know, you're, you, when you're around a kid and you're trying to instruct them, you know, you're out at the range and you've got these things covering your ears, uh, you want to be able to communicate yeah. with your, when you're training somebody. Um, and those things help a lot and, and help to lower the recoil. So you can you can cheat a little bit. You can get a little bit beefier round that, that may kick a little bit. Um, Helps with the flinch. Too. Put that can on the end of the barrel, and all of a sudden your 7 mag feels like a 25-alt-6 or, or even less. Yep. All right, so uh, let's uh, let's talk about the 7-millimeter 08. Pat, what are your thoughts there? Very lethal, probably a little bit underrated um, as far as power goes. I know it's a very popular round, but um, the 708 to me is kind of a sleeper. I've owned several of those in my life, and I've always thought they were handy and easy to shoot, and uh, they're, they're quite effective. I like them. Mm-hmm. Well, often available in a compact fairly compact rifle too, which is handy for hunting in the woods and stuff. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, Pat. Lanny, uh, Lanny got one for his wife, and uh, he kind of stole it from her. Yeah, I still hadn't given it back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to y'all's point, though, it's it's a compact rifle. I spot and stock a lot in the woods. Uh, it's just great. I'm extremely comfortable with it, so it's good to have on my back. Well, so looking at my list, I've got three or four left, and I, 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 you know, let's just go ahead and knock them out. But I've got the thirty alt six. Pat, would you? Yeah, classic. I mean, that's a great round. I, I don't know what anybody could say negative about the thirty alt six. I think the fact that it's been around and as popular as it is for one hundred and fifteen years um, says quite a bit about how effective it is. It's just a great round. Do everything. Yep. You can shoot a lot of different bullets out of that one, too, can't you? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yep. So uh, well, I got two left, and there, I'm sure there's a lot more, but I'm kind of I'm kind of stopping at the 300 win mag. But I wanted to ask you about a 308 and then the 300 win mag. 308's another it, – it's a good one for the same reason, you know, I think Lanny mentioned earlier the compactness of the rifles. And – it's surprising, especially with bullets that weigh 165 grains and less, how close a 308 and a 30-06 really are. Mm-hmm. They're virtually identical as far as ballistics go. I mean, they're within 100 feet per second each of each other a lot of times. And, you know, once you get the heavier bullets, obviously a 30-06 has bigger boiler room and it can go a little bit faster. But I'm a pretty big fan of the 308, too. I think it's a good one. It's hard not to be. Mm-hmm. So uh, what about a 300 win mag? And then the question is, what am, what am I leaving out of my list here? What am I forgetting? Well, I think the 300 is definitely on the upper end of deer calibers that I would shoot. And it's probably, it's an excellent elk caliber, obviously. But I would I would probably shy away from that just because I've never shot a three. I mean, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the 300 win mag. It'll definitely kill deer as well as anything out there. But you definitely know when you pull the trigger. <laughs> unless you have a suppressor or a break on there, right? I mean, you're gonna it's going to get your attention. And it's a good round. I mean, it's extremely accurate. It's got a lot of flexibility in bullet weights, and, uh, you know, it, it's definitely powerful. 
Yeah, it's hard to beat. It's, a, like I said, a really good long-range caliber, too. So, Pat, I wanted to ask you, and this may not be a fair question, but I wanted to ask you <laughs> what would be your favorite bullet choice, but I'm betting that it has to do with what caliber you're shooting as well. But uh, could you go into that just a little bit? Yeah, um, I would – my personal preference, and, and I've found myself gravitating this way a lot over the last few years, is to our AccuBond. And I, I shoot the standard AccuBond a lot. I just I find it's very forgiving as far as accuracy. It retains about 60% of its weight on impact, and it's flexible enough to use on every species we have out here. And I'm, you know, for years I shot a lot of partitions, and I've shot a lot of ballistic tips, and they're both really good bullets too, but... I just think the AccuBond is one of those rare bullets that combines the best attributes of both. Um, it gives you that deep penetration and fast expansion, and it it can be scaled for every caliber. You know, we make we make AccuBonds and everything from um, two forty three all the way up to you know three seventy five H and H. So you can you can pretty much pick one or or find a weight in there somewhere if you hand load that um, your rifle will like. Well, that's what I wanted to know. That that tells me a lot lot there. So w- with Nosler, I mean, we're big, obviously big fans of what you guys do, but a guy can go to Nosler.com or some select sporting goods, better sporting goods stores, and buy some Nosler custom ammunition. And, um, and, and it's also, Pat, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are some ammunition companies that are making – uh, their, their, their rounds have Nosler bullets. So you can go into a store and specifically look for a Nosler partition or that AccuBond or their ballistic tip, whatever, even though it might not be Nosler ammunition. Is that, am I right there? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Our trophy grade ammunition, our ballistic tip ammunition, um, those are available, E tip ammunition, those are available in stores all over the United States, all really all over the world. And then, yes, we do have a lot of really close partners um, that load our bullets and their ammunition as well. And that, you know, to us is a big feather in our cap. And we're very pleased that we have those guys as partners. Yeah. Well, when did, uh, when did, was it John Nosler? When did he invent that partition? 1948 is when we started selling partition bullets, but he made his first ones a couple of years before that at home on his lathe. And wasn't the first animal that he killed with it a moose? It was, yes, absolutely. That's an interesting story. I've read a lot about it. And, you know, it's it's just fascinating how that he invented something that has just stood the test of time with hunters. Sure. Not much out yeah. there that was that's, what, 60-plus years old that hadn't changed a whole lot, didn't need to change a whole lot. Oh, that's a, you know that says a lot about that product for sure. Well, look, uh, let's keep moving, Pat. I don't know. You may be busy and you may need to drop off, but you're welcome to. I would love for you to stay on. I wanted to ask a couple of questions of Carsey, but I'd love to get your thoughts about this too. And um, one of the first questions I wanted to ask is if Carsey, if if you would explain a free floating barrel so that our listeners could. Totally understand that the and the difference in uh, wood and synthetic and how that might affect a, a barrel. Well, I mean, a free floating barrel basically doesn't have any contact with uh, the fore end of the stock. 
Uh, it's just attached at the receiver. Uh, the reason for doing that would be so it'll vibrate the same every time. If you have a wood stock, uh, it may get wet, hunting in the rain, damp in the gun safe or whatever. Humidity changes, it'll bend a little bit, may put a little different pressure on it. And that impacts the, the point of impact. Can radically change your point of impact. So a guy can take a piece of paper or a dollar bill and slide it down his barrel to see if he's got a free-floating barrel, if he's got an older rifle? Yes. That makes sense. So, um, Pat, let me ask you this question. The uh, When you're sighting in, do you uh, – is there like a limit to the amount of – shots before you say okay i need to let this rest just a few let, let this barrel cool back down is there is there in other words is it like after the fourth or fifth shot do you do you tell yourself up oh, that's it because is that point of impact changing as that barrel heats up you know that's a really good question i think touching basically if you can touch barrel steel and hold your finger on it for a second or two it's probably not too hot but that said, a barrel will heat up very fast depending on how much powder the caliber you're shooting burns and even how hot the ambient temperature is outside. I mean, if it's, you know, if it's a 90-degree day, you might only be able to get away with three shots, and on a 30-degree day, you might be able to get away with five. And generally, I think most rifles do start to open up as they heat up. Every once in a while, you find a unicorn that doesn't. Um, there's definitely some that will shoot hot just as well as they will cold but um in my experience at least that's not super common so i'd usually shoot like you know i I try to like sighting in maybe just three if i'm working up a load i might shoot five shot groups just to see how accurate the rifle really is but by and large i think you know once you've established your point of impact um just checking it with two or three shots is usually enough Mm -hmm. I've, I've got a little tip to add there that adds to the fun and excitement. You, you can just take two or three rifles with you to the range and shoot the other one while your main one is cooling off. Exactly, so, the, exactly the process to right. use. It burns more ammo, mm-hmm. but it adds to the fun and excitement. And you're, we like burning more ammo. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <Exactly. laughs> the only problem is you have to get a bank loan right now to get any more. So, Pat, let me ask this question. And uh, a lot of times through the years, guys end up uh, buying older rifles, uh, a used rifle, and there may be some creep in a trigger. And could you explain how that's a bad thing and then ways that a guy might could correct that? And and, I'm, and I want to make sure that we point out, and I know you will, but make sure that this is something that any changes to a trigger needs to be done by a gunsmith. Somebody doesn't need to try to do it on their own. But would you kind of explain the importance of that crisp trigger, please? Yeah, you know, that obviously that's a really important thing because the – Basically, if your trigger does the same thing every time, you get accustomed to the rifle going off at the same point in your trigger squeeze every time, and you will just shoot it better. If the rifle has creep and you're not quite sure when it's going to go off, uh, you know the last thing I think you really want is that rifle to surprise you, and then very next shot, it feels like you know you're pulling on it as hard as you can and it's not going off. So you've got to have consistency. I think really the 
the root of all accuracy comes back to consistency throughout your rifle. And it's like you guys were saying earlier about the free floated barrel. That's exactly why you do that is so that your rifle is consistent over and over again. And that same basically, you know, foundational element goes into your trigger. You just have to have your trigger be consistent all the time. And as far as adjusting a trigger, you're absolutely right. A gunsmith should always do that work for you. Um, if your trigger can't be adjusted or if there's something wrong with it and it's worn out, I would highly suggest, you know, going and replacing your trigger with something that's aftermarket that, again, I'd have a gunsmith do it, but something from like Timney or Trigger Tech or one of those guys that makes a really good aftermarket trigger and just have that dropped in. And then you'll know that you have a, uh, you know, you have something you can depend on. It'll be always be the same. Oh, Pat, you were reading my notes. <laughs> yeah that's that's good stuff there so uh, let me ask you one more question pat and then we'll let you go but when you're when you pull up there and you get in climbing that bench and you're going to shoot your rifle and uh you're laying it there across uh, the rest and you're looking through that leopold scope you're you've got your 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 you're right. I assume you're right-handed, but you're gripping that rifle. Are you laying your left arm or hand up there and holding that rifle at all, or are you allowing nothing to touch that rifle at that point and it's just laying in that rest? I let my rifle free recoil myself. I don't use a typical front rest. I use a um, big V-shaped sandbag that is probably about 16 inches long and, and supports the entire fore end of the rifle. And then I use a rear bunny, uh, bunny eared sandbag that I squeeze the ears on to control the uh, location of the crosshairs on the target. And then I let the rifle go because my thought process, and I may be totally wrong with this, but my feeling has always been that I can't be absolutely sure that I'm going to hold the fore end the same way every single time. So I just, I know that if I just squeeze the trigger the same every single time that the rifle's going to recoil nearly identically. And, uh, it's worked for me and I'm not saying I'm, you know, everybody has a different way of doing it. And I'm sure some people are very consistent holding the fore end. Um, but that's just kind of the process I've evolved over my, you know, 40 years of shooting off the bench. Yeah. Consistency is the key, right? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Well, guys, does anybody have any questions for, for Mr. Pat? I learned a lot. That's all I have to say. That's an answer, I guess. Yeah. Yes, so, it is. Well, I, it, look, he, he's a great guy, it, and and Nosler is just an incredible brand. Lanny says it all the time, it's iconic. It is. So uh, I would encourage our listeners to go to Nosler.com and learn a little bit more about what they have to offer. And I'm a huge fan of their their custom ammo. Yeah, I'm looking at a box of six five Creeds right now. They're good looking ammo. Yeah, and I follow these guys on Instagram, and uh, uh, it, it's worth following them there too. There's some interesting stuff, and I, it, I get tickled at so whoever does y'all's Instagram. It, it's like these little these the the cartridges are like their kids. You know, they're so proud of them. They take pictures of them all grouped up. Yeah, y'all do a great job. But, but Pat, look, we appreciate you being on. I'm going to send you a Gamekeeper Bertucci watch for being a, uh, a guest today. So I know we, we took some of your time out of your day, but we appreciate you, and we appreciate Nosler. Is there anything you want to point out or say before you get off the, the podcast here with us? 
Well, I would say thank you guys for everything you're doing, and and thank you for having me on today. I'm really excited. Obviously, this time of year is when it really gets your blood pumping, and just to be able to be out there and in the field with family and friends is a, you know, it's a tremendous blessing that we all have living in this country. And uh, I just appreciate what you guys are doing for hunters and shooters. So thank you. Oh, you're very thank welcome. Thank you, man. Enjoy yeah. visiting, Pat. Yeah, I'll come see, visit us soon if you can. Yeah, we're not right, that we'll far from soon. South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. We'll send you a snake. I'll drive over next time. There you go. <laughs> All right, Pat. Thank you now. Thanks, Pat. Thank you guys. Bye. Well, Carsey, mm-hmm. let's uh let's try to pull a tip out of you before we let everybody go. If it, if if tell me something about uh, uh some tip if you're gonna go sight in a rifle. And that time's approaching, guys. It's it's time to go ahead and do well, this rather than wait till the oh, last yeah. minute. I mean, it's, first but, of all, do it. <laughs> go shoot your rifle before you go hunt. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, have you got a tip, something that you do that you have learned through the years that makes it easier? or, or? Well, it's uh, a lot of different things. Dudley hit on it. I'll take – I may take half a dozen rifles with me uh, and shoot one, two, three, four, five times. Sometimes you just shoot twice. And the rifle's right where it needs to be. Sometimes it may take eight or ten shots to get it dialed in. But just don't rush. Pick you a nice, nice cool day. Uh, be safe. If you can, if you have a child or grandchild or uh, neighbor kid that wants to learn to hunt, take them with you. Carry a twenty-two. Run a box of ammunition. Let him run a box of ammunition down three twenty-two. Get him started. I mean that kind of thing. That's that's what we got to do. We've got to keep taking the taking the kids hunting and mm-hmm. getting them started. Um, sharing a a deer blind with one is occasionally frustrating, but very rewarding too. Yeah, it sure is. Lanny's experiencing that some right oh, now. Oh, yeah, it's fine. There's no <laughs> Dudley as well. I'll, I'll never forget the first time I took my daughter uh, Belmont shooting. Uh, she'd kill me if I told she knew I was telling this story. But She's not listening. I had so a little semi-automatic twenty two, and uh, loaded that thing up. And, you know, we went over all the, you know, the safety, and she had mm-hmm. her goggles and earmuffs on, and uh, she pulled the trigger once. And pulled it again and realized that she could rapid fire. She's oh. just a smart kid. And uh, I videoed it. And it's like, katow, katow. <laughs> and it ran out. And we yeah, watched her and we were all laughing. I thought she was going to shoot it once or twice and be scared. She just loved it. Mm-hmm. Emptied the chamber. There you go. It was hilarious. That's There's cool. a lot to be said for... Uh, Taking taking a child and getting them uh, up on the safety rules and and just seeing, wow, I can hit something further than I can throw a baseball or whatever. I mean, you know, you can have a six or seven year old, and he can be putting holes in a paper plate all day long at a hundred yards with a twenty two rifle dialed in, and that's just. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And you can start to learn the, the drop. Twenty uh, two yep. is a great, great cartridge to start mm-hmm. on. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Well, guys, uh, I, there was one little tip I wanted to give. I, I, I like the thought of if somebody listens to our podcast, they may 
learn something that they could use. And one of the things that I've always done uh, as I've had different caliber rifles is I'll like take a little, and it's only about the size of a, of a stamp, but like, so when my 25 alt six is sighted in, whatever I've got it sighted in for at a hundred, I'll write down 200, 300, 400. And then I'll Put that on the back on the stock and tape over it. And then Your little it, mini ballistics it, chart. Yeah, I mean, if so, if you're yeah, ever in the heat of battle or something, you can have, get, you look that. at it because it's different on all calibers. Absolutely. And it just helps me remember what that one is sighted in at. So, uh, I Good mean, tip. that's my little tip of the day right hey, there. Thank you, Mr. Norris. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, Richie, wake up over there now. So, well, you know, I've, I've, I've got this Browning X, X bolt laid on the table. That's I've a got a good looking rifle. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's Wild got land. a. It's got Better a last, yeah. It's a it's a Browning X bolt and six point five Creedmoor. It's got a Leopold four to fourteen scope, and I've got to go sight that thing in here pretty soon. But that's what we'll be hunting with this fall around here. So all right, I might to borrow that. It's a and it's got a muzzle brake on it. You're gonna love it. It'll feel like shooting a twenty two. That 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 muzzle brake really takes the recoil away. Yep, but wear hearing protection. Definitely wear hearing protection when you're using a brake. Yeah, my yeah. ears are still ringing from Bobby's two forty three yeah. seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> that's the loudest little rifle. Yeah, I'm sure. That's the one I built for Jesse, and it was loud. So look, guys, we've had fun. Uh, Carsey, I've got a Bertucci gamekeeper watch for you. For don't leave Carsey out. And look, we look, Car- we love you so much. We just don't get to see you. Thank you for coming here and we do think about you a lot you're a huge part of this of this of this business i enjoyed it and uh and we do we we do recognize that and remember that and we'd love to see you more so we'd love for you to come by i'll come by and aggravate you a little more (laughs) there you go (laughs) (laughs) so beware bobby yeah all right well this has been fun why don't uh dudley won't you uh goodbye dudley get us out of here richie Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast, and be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine, and don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.